What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the River Blast Podcast. I am Noah Hiles. I'm Alex Stone. Alex, we are officially to episode number 23, the Mitch Keller episode. We haven't been announcing the names of our episodes. No, we haven't. Uh, we haven't done that all season. Uh, <laughs> we did that season we didn't one. We anyone because that was kind of a... I don't even think we acknowledged that. I don't think we mentioned it. Or maybe it. we did Clemente, you know, we both, talk about it afterwards. We both uh, were like, yeah, yeah, that's Clemente. But the Mitch Keller episode. So, because it's number 23, why not open the show of our three big things uh, talking about Mitch Keller. Made his third start of his young major league career, and um, I guess it was better than the first two. Yeah, still not good. Still not good. He yeah. was hit hard by a team that hasn't been hitting hard all year. Yes. And I know two of those runs he allowed were unearned, but A, it was his error that, you know... Set really, the table. Yeah, set the table. At least one of those unearned runs. I, I'm i in the camp that if a pitcher makes the error, it should be an earned run. I don't mind that. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in that camp. I know... But then again, yeah. those runs scored on an error... So it wouldn't have been an earned run anyway. Well, I'm, I'm giving that Gung would have probably whiffed on that error anyway, so the guy would have scored from second. Okay, yeah. whatever. So should be three. It would have ended up being the difference maker in this game. It's so many fastballs from him again. That first start, we'll never really know what the makeup really was because we don't have pitch velocity or anything because the system was down that game. But... It was 62 fastballs on 93 pitches today. It was, and that's just actual fastballs, not you know misclassified pitches. Like I'm just going four seamers. 44 on 71 in his last start in Atlanta. This is this is a kid with a great curveball, with a developing slider. Let him throw those pitches. I am tired of seeing kids come up and just get their fastball hit. It's glass. It feels like glass now all over again. That's, uh, so, I, you know, I work for the fan. I've been listening to all the shows for a while, obviously, but Chris Muller kind of talked about this on Tuesday, how we should be excited to watch Mitch Keller make his home debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should be excited to watch this kid pitch every fifth day, but it's gotten to a point with this organization where you're, you're almost not maybe writing him off, but it's pessimistic way before you need to be. He would have had to come up and give like a Nick Kingham debut for fans to really, really, really be excited. But because of the way things have gone this year and because of the way things have gone in regards to prospects similar to his status, you, it's, it's hard to get really excited about a guy like this because if history repeats itself, which it tends to do with this franchise... It's just not going to end well. No, and we should put the precursor that Mitch Keller's ceiling is not the same as Tyler Glasnow's. It's not the same as Jamison Tyon's or Garrett Cole's whenever they came up. He was the top pitching prospect, but most forecasters see him being like a good number two instead of, you know, an ace. Yeah, but I mean, he's still the 18th best in baseball. Yeah, he's that's still that's an ace for most teams. Yes, he's still one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. He's the best pitching prospect the Pirates have right now. And have had since Tyler Glass now. Yes. And you're right. This should have been a... A like joyous a, occasion. A joyous occasion, but I... There was almost a sense of dread coming in. Like, oh man, if he can't get the Tigers out, what are we going to do? And you know, for so much, the Pirates didn't want to rush him. They didn't want to rush him. And I get they were... Literally forced up against the wall, and it's like, you have to throw a warm body out there, and he's your last option. Mm-hmm. And they sent him out there, but man, you really hope the kid's confidence isn't shot after a couple bad starts like it felt like Glasnow's was. I was encouraged to, to look at, I forget who pointed this out uh, on Twitter, that if you look at his progression through the minors, his first two starts at pretty much every level stunk. So I was hoping to see some a big step taken today. I guess there's a step forward. By no means was it a big one. Um, I mean, the slider looked good when he threw it, I thought. But he didn't throw it a lot. And like you said, the curveball, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. And I know the changeup, obviously, that was the extra pitch that he was working on. 
Well, the slider was the extra pitch that he was working on. That's wow. that's only a couple. He's picked that up midseason because they took <laughs> a hard look in the mirror and they're like, wait a minute. Literally every pitcher that's come up that's been fastball, curveball, changeup, Glasnow, Tyon, Kingham, they needed a slider before they got good. Mm-hmm. May as well, you know, start developing this in the minor leagues. Get ahead of this before you know the inevitable crash. Where are the curveballs? I, I think he threw four in his first start. In, in his second start. I keep saying his first start. I, I can't really Do take you, that Cincinnati start because we don't have any data, and that was such a weird situation for him to be thrown into. Do you think that, considering the situation and where he was called up, and maybe the team doesn't look at him as Major League ready, that they're just telling him, go out there and throw fastballs, save your arm, you're going to be back down in Indy? In a couple weeks, anyway. I, I think I saw him shake off Elias. Oh, really? A couple times tonight. I could be wrong with so that. So he wants to throw the fastball. I, I don't know if he wants to throw the fastball. If, you know, they were calling more fastballs. I, I don't know what those shakes were. They're not on the same page. It's Maybe, do you start stallings with this guy, then? I, I think so. I think you do give stallings a start. But the, if for no other reason... Then Jacob Stallings isn't good enough to start. No, I'm not going to pretend that he's yeah. you know this kept this pitcher whisperer. Yeah, I I, I know I'm in the pro Stallings camp here. No, but he's more comfortable, I'm sure, with Stallings than yes. Yeah. That was the point I was going to make. Yeah, he's caught him in triple A. And Stallings, but the thing with that is, if you start, if Stallings is going to be Mitch Keller's catcher, you can't have a guy like Jacob Stallings be two pitchers personal catcher. He's not that good enough of a player to to take away that much playing time from Elias Diaz. Uh, and I think that's a good way to transition into the next of our three big points, Chris Archer. I don't think this guy's going to be on the team next year. Yeah, he's they've invested too much. It's a sunk cost. Are they going to are they going to literally keep throwing money into this money pit? They've invested too much. They there's wouldn't they be better? How much is his option? Nine million ish. I can't remember. Wouldn't it's, they be better to go sign Zach Wheeler? Uh, yes, except for the fact that a they won't, and b someone else they will pick up the option because even if they at the end of this year they're like, boy, that was a mistake. I am never gonna let Chris Archer pitch another game for the Pittsburgh Pirates. They would get something in a trade. They would not get Glasnow. They would not get Meadows. They probably would only get like a 45, 50-grade prospect, but they would get something because someone else would be like, oh, I'll just undo every terrible idea that the Pirates had for him. Let's get rid of that two-seamer. You're back to throwing your slider. We're going to fix you, Chris Archer. And they would get something for him because it would be no risk for them. Either A, he sucks and you cut him, or B, he's real good and you have another cheap option here. There is a 0% chance that Chris Archer, barring like an, a major injury, like if he needs Tommy John, then yeah, they'll, they won't pick up the option because they'd be paying you know, $9 million for him to just sit around for a year. That won't happen. But as a whole, no, he will have his contract picked up. And it's frustrating. You had a good point that you brought that you heard on the radio. I'm going to let you talk for Chris Archer before I just start ranting. No, no. I, I... So anytime a pitcher goes wrong recently, the blame has been really pointed towards Searage. Yes. And that's, that's how it works. That's how professional sports work. In football, when the offense isn't going well, you blame the offensive coordinator. In baseball, when your team's not hitting, you blame the hitting coach. I mean, we heard that all last year. And for good reason. Look what they're doing now with an actually good hitting coach. They're hitting the ball. Um, the pitching stinks this year. Searage is getting a lot of the a, a lot of the blow. I mean, people are calling for his head. And uh, he was on the pregame show the other day, and uh, just something that really stuck out to me. And I was talking with Dan and Jack about it before the game as well. Was the way Searage. Try uh, the way Searage talked about certain the way he answered certain questions. Um, Zangrilli asked him kind of about his pitch selection, and he said, You know, why doesn't Chris throw his, uh, his change up a little bit more? And Searage immediately jumped out of the seat basically when they asked him that. He said, I would love it, I would love it if he threw his change up more. 
that to me indicates they're not on the same page. He's not doing what Chris Archer... Chris Archer is not doing what his coaches are telling him to do. That's what it indicates to me. When his coach is saying that, and Jack, you know, he tells me a lot of stuff that I'm not supposed to say on this podcast or really to anyone, and I would never violate his trust. I'm pretty sure he'd be okay with me saying this, though, as someone who's been the head of scouting, a general manager, all those big titles. He says, you know, front office guys, coaches, they will use the media as a time to get a message across. We saw that backfire for a football team that plays not too far down the road from where we're recording right now. Um, but coaches will use that, and I believe Hurdle's done that in the in the recent years. I believe even this season. He said uh, about Brault the other day, he said he's got to go deeper. Stuff like that. You can challenge guys through the media. Um, and I think that's what Serge was doing. I think it's clear. Archer is someone who... Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's he's really. I think he really thinks that he can figure this out on his own. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what your re- <laughs> what is, what's the rationale for just ignoring your coach when you're when you're doing so poorly. If you're if you're striking everyone out, if you're putting up numbers like like Ryu is or. Like Max Scherzer always does, or before he broke his face. Yeah, before he broke his face, it was a hilarious, hilarious video. By the way, it is. I, I haven't watched it. Oh, it's very funny. Um, I, I, I don't know if funny is the word I'd use, but okay. no, no. I mean, it sucks to see it, but yeah. like, it's like America's Funniest Home Video. Like, okay. yeah, like the he just he was barely even like bunting. Like he he put no effort into this bunt. Like he just like kind of stuck the bat out and it came and hit him in the face. Literally, like if you put like it like a '90s VHS tape kind of like filter on it, it, it could have been like AFV quality. Um, but regardless, if you're putting up numbers like that, ignore. Do your thing. Ignore your coach. But when you're struggling. You should be listening to everyone. Maybe not everyone on Twitter. You shouldn't be listening to you and me, God even God. though we're right <laughs> all the time. Uh, but listen to your coach, man. Even if he's wrong, at least, you know, you have someone to blame. It just blows my mind that this guy has been so bad. And going back to the change-ups, I would love to see him throw more change-ups too. And I think that throw don't throw the two seamer anymore. I have this the same. How about you throw the ball inside once? Yeah, that'd be nice too, especially to a left-hander. Just in general, I mean, the guy doesn't pitch inside. Yeah, as he and that's been such a staple for the Pirates for for years. Yeah, you throw the ball the whole Clint Hurdle era. But going eye to eye, talking about eye to eye, there's one example with Ray Searage. That you always go to, or at least I always go to whenever I hear that, and that's the fallout he had with Francisco Liriano in 2016, mm-hmm. and where Liriano just he wasn't listening. He wasn't. He would go on different sides of the rubber in the same inning, like he nothing was consistent, and it got to the point that. They said, "All right, Sirage isn't reaching him. We have to literally give away top prospects to get rid of Liriano." And I don't think it would get that bad with Archer. I think Archer is more open to feedback, more open to constructive criticism. But at some point, there's got to be a change. This, you can't be throwing 20-something two-seamers every game. They're getting hit. They got hit like mad in Atlanta. They got... Whenever the Miami Marlins, Harold Ramirez hitting a home run against Chris Archer in the year of our Lord 2019 sounds like that's just a that's, that's, that's a microcosm of this season. Yes, that is home runs, home runs, and bad trades from the past coming back to bite you in the ass. Yes, I. But you know, too much negative, too much negative so far. There is one good pitcher in the starting rotation at the moment. And it's my boy Stephen Brault. Yes, who you started off. You started off. You were first on the Stephen Brault hype train. Even, I was. Even he though was, it was kind of a meme. <laughs> no, it was a hundred percent a joke. But uh, no, when I went on, I went on North Shore Nine Live uh, 
like, geez, it was the day Williams got hurt. So it was that May 17th, May 16th, whatever it was. And I talked to DiNardo about how I thought Brault deserved a chance to just actually be a starter. And because if he's able to give you four innings, kind of like he did, you know, just stick with him in the rotation for a little bit. And since I've said that, he had one bad outing on Mother's Day against the Cardinals. Um, was the Cardinals? The yeah, Cardinals was, one was before, though. No. His first outing his first outing was against the Rangers. Yeah. They won that game. He pitched. He pitched fine. No, he went four okay. innings. He allowed two runs. Yeah, but I, the Mother's Day Mother's was, Day was a was real bad. Yes, but like over the last thirty days, he has like an ERA of two. Yeah, but that's what yeah. I'm saying. After I said this, they kept him in the rotation, yeah. and he's been pretty damn good. Yeah. Like going five innings, then five and two thirds, and then sixth, and then into the set. I mean, he's been really good. Yeah, and I just wrote about this for the point of Pittsburgh. The release point for his fastball is much more consistent. And even though the velocity down and the spin's down, that's probably just him not overthrowing anymore. He, it's a much more consistent delivery. And he, he kind of looks like Trevor Williams, honestly, with the contact that he's getting right now, being that fastball heavy, it, where it's like, you shouldn't really be this good, but if your mechanics are solid, yeah, I, I could see this actually working out. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, all the power to it. Like, I'm happy mm-hmm. that... He is having some success because he's an easy guy to root for, and it's about time one pitcher gives us a good surprise. With that being said, the bullpen has looked a little better. Bar was not high at all, but they're actually getting out to Feliz two good innings today, yesterday, whenever you're listening to this. Um, Navaroski, I don't think, had a putrid road trip. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean... um, your boy, what's his name? Clay Holmes has looked okay. Yeah. So, it's getting a little better, but... Nah, we're past the point of no return now. I had the ice cream sundae. You did have the ice cream sundae, and yeah, if, I mean, this was a couple series ago. It looked like, well, if there's any chance left, you gotta start making bank now, and if throwing away a game against the Marlins and then one against the Tigers isn't a good way to start making hay. Yeah, it's uh, just no good. So, we're going to move on now to our interview portion of the show. We have a really cool guest on today, uh, Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We have both beat writers now on the show with Jason Mackey. It's just me sitting down, talk with him. Alex was too busy fighting uh, street preachers oh, man. Uh, outside PNC Park before, before the game got started. So, Jason and I sat down before the game. Um, if you don't know Jason... A beat writer, new new guy on the block, new beat writer for the uh, for the Pirates. He replaced Bill Brink, who's taking on more of a feature story role. Jason, before the Pirates beat, covered the Penguins uh, for a multitude of outlets. Uh, solid guy. Really excited to keep getting to know him. I'm sure he will be a guest on this show uh, again before the season comes to an end. But before we get to his interview, be sure to know that all of our interviews are brought to you by No Negations. No Negations is a motivational lifestyle and apparel brand. Their mission is to inspire others to achieve no matter the circumstance. It is easy to quit or give up, especially if the people around us are feeding negativity. The No Negations team wants to be that positive reinforcement in your life. We offer talks and workshops to get your team, clients, and customers motivated and inspired. Our team of national and world-class athletes are energetic, impactful, motivational speakers offering insight on perseverance, team building, fitness, and mindset development. So whether if you have a t-shirt, hat, polo, long sleeve shirt, crew, or crew neck, hoodie, or leggings, it should be a reminder that no matter your circumstance, you can overcome if you remain consistent. Visit our website at www.nonegations.com to order apparel and to receive more information on speaking events. Also, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Nonegations. That's at N-O-N-E-G-A-T-I-O-N-S. And now, for the Post-Gazette's Jason Mackey. All 
All right, so joining us now, uh, just me, Alex is yet to arrive at the ballpark, so I'm just going to take this one, is the new guy in town. Well, not in town, but at least at the ballpark uh, on this side of town. Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joins us, new Pirates beat writer. Jason, how's it going? It's going well, man. Thank you for having me on this. It's, uh, it's been strange. You know, I'm not, I'm not new to the city. I'm not new to the media scene around here, but I'm certainly new to Pirates, so it's a been a big change from covering the Penguins, but I also love it. It's been a lot of fun. So you talked about it. Covered the Penguins for a multitude of outlets from, you said, 2014? <laughs> yeah, yeah so, so I've got a weird story. I'll just try to run through it quickly. Yeah, but I started at the Tribune Review. I started on the Penguins in the 2014-15 season. Mm-hmm. Um, left about partway through, went to DK Pittsburgh Sports in the 15-16 season. Was there for a little bit. Hired by the Post-Gazette starting with the 16-17 season. Did that for three years and then um, moved over to Pirates this year. So, do you were you in charge of that decision? Did you want to move over to Pirates, or was that just assigned by your editor? How'd that work? No, I was actually, I asked for it. Um, I, I figured, we knew there were some changes going on, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, like, you know, Bill Brink was moving off the beat into more of a features role. We knew that was happening. This has been something I had been kicking around in my head for a while. Um, I've played baseball my whole life, played it in college. I love it. Um, I've always kind of had a fantasy about covering baseball, as weird as it sounds. Um, I got into this business originally. um, I was living in D.C., and I was uh, reading, like, Barry Sferluga and Thomas Boswell and got really into the Nats and the Washington Post, and that's kind of what made me want to be a beat reporter in the first place. And so I always thought, like, I wonder how I could do that or if I could do that job. And the, like, accessibility, the everydayness. Um, made it attractive for me. And, like, I was proud of what we did on hockey. I loved what we did mm-hmm. on hockey. They're a fun team to cover. It would never be a slight to the Penguins. But it's just been, like, a, per, a you know, personal sort of desire. And, you know, I felt like we were going to be okay on, on Penguins. You know, they'd keep playing the games. We'd keep covering them. Like, I'm not that egotistical to think, like, you know, I'm this be-all, end-all. You know, I can go over, and, and I just wanted to personally take on the challenge of what I could do with baseball. And, um yeah, here we are. It's been yeah, fun. I think if you look back to sports journalism, I think that if you could pick one sport, I think baseball writers are responsible for making the field of sports journalism grow more than any other. Just the way it was covered early on, the way you know guys wrote about like Babe Ruth and stuff. Start a fight all here. I don't, I don't know. You don't know. I, I, what, what sport would you say? Well, I mean, I have a ton of respect for hockey writers, man. I just do. I mean, I, I lived a life, and some of my best friends are hockey well, writers. Well, I'm just saying historically. Historically, I, yeah. I mean, I, I guess, but that's probably because that this sport is the oldest and the mm-hmm. most American. Like, okay. if you get the Canadian side of it, there's people, you know, up in Canada that have been doing this just as long. It's just different in the States because we're, we're used to, you know, baseball was more of a thing back then. But, like, you look at somebody like Red Fisher in the hockey world, and, I mean, he's a god, just like a lot of these people in, in baseball. I don't know. I, you're probably... Probably right. I just always want to stick up for like my my hockey writer friends, and you know, I I, I think I, any beat writer really. I mean, there's there's titans in this industry on the NFL side. You know, look at somebody like Peter King or mm-hmm. Dr. Z, or you know, in our own town, somebody like Ed Bouchette. Yeah. You know, I grew up playing football and reading stuff like that and reading Ed, and um, I don't know. Anyway, I, I think they're all important, but I do see where you're coming from. So. You, like you said, covered the Penguins. Coming to this Pirates team, I'm sure there's a lot of differences. What's one difference that immediately jumps out to you? I know we've talked about some of the differences. Do you mean in terms of, like, the lifestyle on our side? Yes, like the yeah, media absolutely. aspect? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I would say the closeness that you have with the players and the team. And I don't mean that, like, we're friends, like we're going to get beers after the game. I yeah. mean, like, they know you're there. You know, they address people by name. Um, they expect to get talked to, to get bothered. Like, it's just part of the deal. Um, I remember I introduced myself to Jameson Tyone very early on um, in my, my beat time here. And um, I just said, you know, from afar, like reading coverage and watching stuff and whatever, like I've always admired sort of how you've handled the media and handled yourself in this drill. And he said, thanks. And he's like, you know, I'm here. You're here. We're going to see each other a lot. Like, we might as well get along. And I, I just thought that was kind of neat you know it's that's kind of how this sport works in my opinion like 
there's a pretty good, healthy relationship between media and baseball players, and I like that you can have a conversation with a guy for 10, 15 minutes. And, and this isn't an indictment of hockey. Like, they have a bunch of other stuff going on. They play a contact sport. It's crazy. There's practices. It's not as many out. Like, it's just a different drill. But in baseball, you can kind of step back and have a little bit more of a relaxed conversation with the player as opposed to maybe hockey. So we talked about the players, but uh, you have a very good relationship with the Penguins' general manager, Jim Rutherford. Um, <laughs> We've met. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Compare him to, in his way, he's obviously very open with the media, lets yep. them know everything, kind of uses them as like a pawn against other GMs, I would say. Uh, would you, a vehicle. A let's vehicle. Not, let's, let's not, not call pawn. ourselves pawns. Okay, here. yeah, but yeah, yes. okay. We'd be the kings, right? The queens, yeah. Uh, no, but so he uses them as a vehicle where I would say Huntington's a little bit more reserved. Would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Yes. They, are, they are definitely uh, very contrasting in their styles. I mean, Jim's just as old school as they get. I mean, if we want to compare Jim to every other general manager in every sport. Um, so here, true story. Jim will, Jim will laugh at this if he hears it. Um, when I announced that I was taking the Pirates job, he texts me and said, like, you know, I'm thinking about getting a job with the Pirates. Do you know anybody who can help me? Like, you know, he just, said, just he joking. Said yeah, he you. said that. Just joking around. And so anyway, I'm sure a lot of Yinzers wouldn't be mad if he, <laughs> if he jumped in on the I think the Penguins fans would yeah, be kind of mad. So, but yeah. No, he's just joking around. And, and Jim does that. He busts chops all the time. But anyway, so we, I, I called him and we talked a little bit. And, you know, I thanked Jim. And I meant it from the bottom of my heart. Like, covering Jim Rutherford is something that I will take with me my entire career. So any young journalist, old journalist, anybody who's had the pleasure of covering somebody like that, who is willing to, like, say stuff, stir the pot, have a back and forth, help out the media. Sometimes he gets mad. You know, it's fine. It's only fair. They're in a competitive business. Sometimes he doesn't want to say anything. I get it. Uh, but the guy was just an absolute pleasure to cover. And that's not an indictment of Neil. Neil's been great in my dealings with him. But Neil is like the rest of the world. You yeah. know, he's the tight tight GM that doesn't want to let too much get out. Jim's old school, and he's throwing stuff out there left and right. I'm going to say this. I'm going to see how I can stir the pot. And he just he loves it. So, as far as organizations, obviously, you know, when you jumped on the Penguins beat, they had the one year under Johnson, but then the next couple years they win Stanley Cups, and they have two of the best players in the world, a whole bunch of Hall of Famers or world-class talent. Then you come to a team like the Pirates, a totally different situation. What's it been like as far as perception of your writing, I guess, uh, the interaction from fans? I'd imagine a lot of the Penguin stuff probably more positive compared to Pirates is a little bit more pessimistic. Yeah, well, I don't want to say it's being pessimistic because, like, I didn't show up here you know, thinking, well, I'm going to just, you know, crap all over the team and write yeah. everything negative. Like, that. I don't want to do that. Who yes. wants to do that? No one. Right? Like, you want to write something that people care about. And with the Penguins, like, if you would show up there and write why things are so terrible from day one, like, you're going to get run out of the room, right? They just won two Stanley Cups. Nobody wants to hear that. And, yes, you're going to point out when they don't do things well, but they do more things well than the Pirates do. And that's, again, not a criticism of the Pirates, but if we're going to objectively look at where this team is at right now, like, they have some stuff they need to fix. At the same time, they have, I think, some really good, young, exciting pieces, guys enjoying breakout years. So to answer the question, um, I, I think people kind of expect more vitriol from you as a Pirates beat writer. I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to go there. Um, I've had this conversation a lot with, like, I don't know, Sidney Crosby is one that stands out. But, like, when you are critical of a professional athlete and your criticism is based in numbers, 99 times out of 100, they're not going to get mad. And Sydney's reaction when we would have these discussions, he'd be like, you can point out facts. I don't care. Trust me. You're not putting any more pressure on myself or any more criticism toward me than I am of myself. And so that's what I look at the Pirates. Like, if you're pointing out things that they're factually doing wrong, like, you're not being some sort of negative Nelly or, like, going for blood. You're just you're covering the team critically the way you should be covering it. It's just like... I swear some fans like want you to just, you know, type a bunch of expletives and, and you know, dash 30 dash your story's over. Like that mm-hmm. that's not the way it works. That's just make not... your headline Bob Nutting sucks and Yeah, exactly. And it will click on that. Like yeah. no, it's a, a one, it's a way more nuanced and complicated process than that. Mm-hmm. But two, like and that's a thing we could fall down this rabbit hole, but like understanding the lives of beat reporters, you can't just like write things out of your back pocket. I'd like to use another word there, but like, mm-hmm. you know, just make stuff up to like 
piss people off. You have to have working relationships with these people. It does me no good to set ablaze my relationship with a player when a competing outlet might have a relationship with a player. So if you want to criticize a player or a coach or a, uh, an organization or anything like that or why they do things, like you better be dealing in reality. You better have some sort of fact-based reason for what you're doing. And, you know, it is hard for a guy who's just been on the beat for a month to come up with that stuff consistently. Um, so you're just, you're finding your way, you're finding, you know, critically where you should sort of pick your spots, what what's good, what's not, and it's just a process. Off the recorder we were talking now, and we were both kind of talking about our paths. Um, you know, uh, pretty much all things considered, you're in a position that I would like to be in, or something similar to, and I'm sure there are a lot of people, I know the guy who does this podcast with me would like to have... I guess your job or other <laughs> other jobs similar to yeah. it, um, and we get just kind of talk about how the route to get there is. It's not like a teacher where you yeah. just go to you know student teaching and then you find a teaching job, or it's not like a, a nurse where you go to nursing school, you take the NCLEX and then you're a nurse. It's it's a well, very windy road with a lot of bumps and, and hurdles, and you kind of got to figure it out. Well, man, I was married. I'm married to her. I was married to her. Always gonna slap me for that one. No, I am married to a nurse. Or I, I date a nurse too. as well. She's, yeah, so she's awesome. But anyway, so like I was going through my sports journalism journey at the same time she was studying for her NCLEX and would be like nerding out together. That's, at the that's literally we're on that but, in life right now. Um, I, I would never want to like prop up sports journalism as harder than nursing because it's not. Um, but I, I do see the parallels and like you have to do whatever you can, however you make ends meet, however you work it to get through it and to get the experience. Like I remember my wife had you know, clinicals at different hospitals and I mean, it's just, it's hard, man. And, and you know, just within our own little world of sports journalism, like, you know, within that, like I feel so lucky to have the job that we have because people do want it because it's cool because you know, you get to write about sports for a living, and I think too many people who get into this position kind of lose perspective on that, what you get to do for a living. Like, there's so much bitching in this business. I don't mm-hmm. understand it. Like, people in airports or hotels, or you are going to a game. People are go- paying for you to go to a game and write about something. Your food is free. Like, getting to talk to the players, whatever, like, I don't, I don't get all geeked out over that, but I mean, when you have players who are helpful, that certainly, mm-hmm. you know, makes the job easier, but in any case, it, you have to work for it, as you're finding out, as I think a lot of young journalists are, like, these things just aren't handed out, like candy, you need to bust your butt, you have to put in hard hours and work weird jobs and suffer and, like, you know, I remember trying to apply for jobs in my early 20s, thinking, like, man, I'm ready for this, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get that, and like I'm killing myself trying to make ends meet on freelance money for like five years before I get a break and it's just those who want to do it will keep doing it and so as someone who is killing himself currently on freelance money keep it up right now well my question to you would be I I watch all of these old movies about you know where like there's journalism and radio and everything and it just seems like there were so many more jobs back then, and maybe it was so easier. Um, where do you see the jobs in our field 10 years from now? Is it yeah. more online stuff? Is it more multimedia stuff? Or do you see like the consistency remaining where I just feel like there are a lot more freelance opportunities now, but there are not a lot of full-time salary benefits position yeah i mean i I think we're we're certainly in a state of flux right now like i know at the post gazette you know we're not where we'd like to be you know Mm -hmm. well maybe i want to say it this way that i think we're trying to deal with the reality of it being 2019 and you know maybe the printed product isn't exactly what we should be focusing on we're trying to be digital first and i think that is a process with people who are been used to printing a newspaper first so as far as where the jobs are, I mean, they're certainly skewing online. I think it would be idiotic to sit here and say that um, they're going to be all print-related um, now and in the future. Like, they need to be online. But I think the one thing that you and I and, and other sports journalists have is what we do is kind of recession-proof. Like, people are still going to care about their sports teams yep. no matter what. It's just how they're going to consume that information. And I think The Athletic is proving it, and, and Dayan Kovacevic in DK Pittsburgh Sports, mm-hmm. like they're proving it. If you're providing solid content and doing a professional job, people will respond. They'll go online. 
Um, and, you know, the Post-Gazette, we're proud of what we're doing. The Athletics should be proud of what's, what it's doing. DK Pittsburgh Sports should be proud of what's doing. The Tribune Review should be proud of what it's doing. Like, Pittsburgh sports fans get a lot of quality coverage here, and they read and consume it all. So, I mean, I think the jobs are going online, but I think they're still going to be there in, in pretty decent number. There's a lot of people who write online uh, but aren't able to make kind of a full-time living from it. And while their product is high-quality... Um, I feel that they don't understand the business side of this field. Do you, do you see that amongst young people, that they don't understand maybe the process of maybe paying dues or how, how they need to market themselves or just understand kind of you got to play the game a little I don't, bit? I don't know if I understand the business side of this business. Yeah. It's <laughs> the tough. only thing I understand about this business, and, and I think it, it gets at what you're talking about. Like, it, it's sort of like baseball to me. Honestly, like, you're going to get in what you put, or you're going to get out what you put in. Right? Like, if, if you bust your hump, man, if you honestly work, like, I've seen so many people, um, Lance Lasowski, for one, I don't know if you know who that is. I know exactly who he, that Lance is, Lance yes. used to work in Pittsburgh, he busted his butt, he's a good friend of mine, and, you know, he, like, would, I, 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 I want to be covering pro sports, and, like, you know, he gets to cover pro sports at DK Pittsburgh Sports, mm -hmm. and then, you know, he, he... He was pit there originally, right? Uh, believe so, yeah. And he, I, I remember reading, pirates and, you want to know the first article I read of Lance's? It was in the Observer Report in yep. Washington when he covered a professional softball game. Yep. I used to grow up reading the OR. So, I, yeah. I worked for the OR too, my there friend. You go. I worked a year there. Um, but anyway, so like Lance was somebody that just busted his butt in this industry and has worked his way up and there have been other people and, and so I don't know if young people understand the business aspect of it. I don't know if you need to understand the business aspect of it. Maybe the less you understand the better. I'm not sure, but you need to understand how to work hard. You need to understand how to make personal sacrifice. You need to understand that sometimes like you're not going to be the cool kid like you're not going to be out drinking with your buddies on Friday and Saturday because you're going to be working or like you're going to be dog tired or you know I don't know how many parties in college that I missed because I was out like covering a, a game on Friday and Saturday and I'd, I'd roll in you know late at night not because I was out doing something stupid like I was working yeah you're just you're, you're not going to have a lot of money you're going to have to spend a lot of time work but if you want to do it sooner or later like you know Things will separate, and you'll get your opportunity, but it takes a lot of plugging away. So you've done your plugging away, and we'll wrap this up now because the game started. we both got to get to work. Um, since you've come here, we mentioned we talked about this at the clubhouse today. The team has taken a turn. Uh, <laughs> so how, much of a how much of a role have you played in the Pirates' injuries and their, their, their struggles? So when, when, right. when did you officially start on the beat? Um, here, let me flip out my phone, but... Um, so I'm not taking credit for the injuries. I'll okay. take credit because they were happening long before me. That's fair. But the poor performance can be blamed on me. My first game officially being at the ballpark and covering it was May 21st against Colorado, a 5 nothing loss. I believe they were three hit by German Marquez. Did they, did they get swept that series? They, no, they won the last game. Okay. Um, but since I've been on the beat, they've won one, two, three, four, five, six games, I believe, in about a month. Now, how many of those were you in attendance for? Um, I missed two. I missed the two against the Braves last week. I was not in attendance in Miami. Um, so you've seen so two wins in person? I think as an employee? As a post-gazette beat writer, I think May 31st was the last time I saw the Pirates win. Isn't this sad? And I also saw a 7-2 win in Cincinnati. You're going to make me look this no, up. No, 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 but well, here's... Well, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, I didn't even realize it was this bad until we started having this discussion. Well, here's the thing. We look at your tenure on the Penguins beat. Does this mean that they're going to get a new coach next year? No offense to Clint. Uh, and then win back-to-back -back World Series titles? Is that is that <laughs> what we're going to see here, or...? Well, if I've learned anything from it's the from the Penguins, it's that it has to be done in season, right? Mm -hmm. Like every year they fire their coach in the middle of the season. It's that's true. Here we go. You know, I mean, you fired Mike Johnston in December. Mike Sullivan comes in and wins it, and Michelle Terrian and Dan Bilesma, and um, you know, who was it? Um, 
trying to think in, in 9091, I'm having a, a brain fart. Scotty I mean, Bowman. I, yeah, I mean, obviously it was Bob Johnson, yeah. but I, I don't know. Badger Bob took over from the I don't know. I'm, I've checked it, not checked out of hockey, but it, you're it, in baseball it, mode. Yeah. It's honestly been hard for me to yeah. recall hockey stuff. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't. I, I hope I haven't brought the bad luck. It's certainly been brought to my attention how bad um, they they've sort of been since I've been on the beat, mm-hmm. um, and especially the pitching. Like I was a pitcher through college. Where, where did you play in college? Westminster. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, we were actually up there over the weekend, but nice. um, so I pitched in college, and now like I show up on the Pirates beat, and nobody can pitch for anything, and all the pitchers are hurt. So I'm carrying around some bad juju or something. There man. you go. All right. Um, so if if the prophecy does continue, <laughs> uh, I, they need to make a Kessel like trade. Who would be the Kessel of baseball? Hunter Pence, maybe. Yeah, he's pretty close. I'm, I'm assuming we're going for like just a weird, weird dude, guy, right? weird guy. Um. As far as I know, Hunter Pence is the most out I feel like Melky Cabrera could be uh, Phil Kessel. I don't think we know enough about Melky. I don't think we know enough. Of it. That's true. And I think there's also just more weird dudes in baseball because it's more okay to like showcase your personality. Mm-hmm. Hockey Kessel stands out like a sore thumb just because it's so like buttoned up. You know, mm-hmm. we're not gonna, we're just gonna get to our game and get pucks deep and like it's in the culture to kind of be boring. You give like the. Canned answers yep. pretty much all the time. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on if that's all right with yeah, you. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time yeah, out man. doing this, and uh, sure. we'll get back to the show now. Thanks. All right. Yeah. So thanks again uh, to Jason Mackey coming on. Be sure to check him out on Twitter at J Mackey M A C K E Y at P G. So J Mackey P G on Twitter. Um, you'll see all the stories, of course, in the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm pretty confident uh, that you know what that is. So, yes. Yes. So and you can also hear him on ninety three seven The Fan. He does a hit pretty much on every show at least once a week. So. Good guy, thanks for coming on, and uh, Alex, I hope you enjoy the interview when you, once you get to listen to it. Yeah, I, I was disappointed I couldn't get out there beforehand. Uh, that's all right, that's all right. You've so, done pretty well without me during these interviews. As have you done without me. You do a good job without me on these interviews, so we're probably we're so better. Wholesome. We're pro- well, I was going to say we're probably better off apart. Yes. All right, so uh, we're going to get into everyone's uh, favorite part of the show, Segments, Alex, who are our segments brought to you by? Well, like always. What the hell was that? That was like always. Like always. Oh, well, our segments are brought to you by Slice on Broadway. With locations in Carnegie, Beachview, the East End, and of course our favorite at PNC Park, Slice on Broadway has it all. From their perfect pizza, spectacular salads, or their super delicious subs, everything they make is handmade and the best your money can buy. And you know why? Because they wouldn't be able to sleep if it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Be sure to check them out and tell them the guys from the River Blast podcast sent you. Hey, you know, I went to Slice on Broadway for lunch on Tuesday. And let me tell you, every single person there looked very well rested. They they all look like they got eight hours of sleep the night before. And it's because they sleep well knowing that this is the best pizza, (laughs) subs, and salads in the entire city. It's just a fact. Rico and company, they take care of you when you're there. So stop over there, tell them the guys from the River Blast podcast sent you. We don't get any extra money. I was going to say, how much extra ad space has River Blast podcast gotten from us just, or not River Blast podcast, Slice on Broadway gotten from us just riffing about? No, dude, but they're awesome. I mean, I I, I just really like, I mean, No Negations is awesome too. And uh, I I promote them in my other podcast, so I feel like I give them plenty of love. But Slice on Broadway, man, I mean, they're... They treat me well. They treat they treat me well. So uh, yeah. So let's get started. Buy sell trade. Um, I think I'm going first this. No, you I went last first, first last that's week. Right, that's yes, right. you and Sasank both went ahead of me, I yes. believe. So I'm gonna go first. My buy. I'm going to buy more starts for Corey Dickerson. Hmm. Um, didn't get didn't get the job done today as a pinch hitter. Uh, it was his first time not getting a hit as a pinch hitter this season. He was 3-for-3 prior to that. Uh, Entering Tuesday, I know his batting average went down, obviously not getting the base hit, but he was hitting like 348 entering Tuesday since coming off the IL. I know that's only five starts and three pinch hit at-bats, and then, like I said, the fourth one probably brings him down. Uh, 
but I like what he's doing at the plate, and you're a last place team. You need to be showcasing guys that you can trade. So I get that Marte and Reynolds are killing the ball. Marte, I think, is cooling off maybe a little bit. Maybe not. I don't know. Probably not. Uh, regardless, Polanco's not getting it done, and Melky, you're not marketing Melky as an everyday outfielder. You're marketing him as a bench guy, so get him in a little bit of playing time, uh, but Dickerson should be getting a majority of the starts. I understand not starting him to get today against a left-handed pitcher, but I would like to see Corey Dickerson getting a majority of the starts until he's wearing another uniform. So that's my buy. My sell is I'm selling the Pirates ticket ads. Look, I get that the state of affairs is not great. You're trying to always build your brand and try to get people into this park, and it's been tough with the PR and with you know the team being in last place this year. But my God, every other freaking commercial for this team is a is a ticket ad. Every other commercial on their TV broadcasts, uh, their radio. I mean, they talk about it there. Greg Brown, Joe Block. I mean. Every, well, well, that's a double by Josh Bell. Come see Josh Bell on Sunday as it's uh, the hats off package at go to pirates.com. I mean, could you be more thirsty? I get it, but it's just like you're shoving it down our throats at this point. No one wants to come to this, these games. It just sucks. It is what it is. I don't think those ads are really winning anyone over. That's just my opinion. Trade. I want you guys to pay attention to the inflection on my voice when I say this. Colin Moran? Possibly. I'm open to the idea of shopping Colin Moran this deadline. I don't think you're ever going to have higher value for a player like Colin Moran that you're going to have right now. He's hitting the ball well. He's projected to have a really good season. Um, you have a guy that's going to start over him next year in AAA more than likely. I don't think he really has a position. You would like to have someone like him uh, as a depth guy, but I think teams would be interested in taking a flyer and Colin Moran. And at this point, looking at the farm system like we talked about last show, any person that you can move that isn't going to be a important part of next year's team, you should do that. You should do that. And you're looking to build a little bit of a a second wave of prospects that can come out maybe next year and you can lean on. And I think Colin Moran could get you not a huge return, but probably a better return. Actually, he probably would get you a better return than Melky Cabrera. Yeah, but I think so Moran, here. I, you make your point first. No, 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 that's it, that's it. I was just going to say grade my buy-sell trade. Go down the ladder. Okay, uh, I'll start with Moran. I'm going up the ladder. Uh, Moran... I think if you were to trade him, you would get a project in return because I think that's how you would market Moran. Here's a guy who has proven that he can hit at least right-handers fairly well, but he can't field worth a damn. <laughs> I think you market him just as this is a guy who is progressing. Uh, he His numbers in his first year, he was average as a first-year starter. He's projected to be better than average in his second year at the plate as a full-year starter. So you do that. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know if you could get much more than it, it, basically a Col Moran type back. I I don't see anyone trading away. A, if you can a, a get a Col Moran quality he's, pitcher. He's too close to being a, a a former top prospect to get a top prospect back in return. Yeah. And the Pirates aren't going to be buying a rental. So, if I, I don't know if I'd really go with that. Uh, the ticket ads, yeah, not great. It's just a bad look. It, it, it is kind of a bad look. It's like whenever uh, whenever you go on like a PAP bus, and then there is a sign like, advertise on this bus, and it's literally the only advertisement on the bus. Well, I was just going to say, it looks, I mean, you might as well just stick Frank Coonley on, on East, or West General Robinson with a freaking little cup. Just begging for spare change. I mean, yeah. that's what it looks like. You look desperate. Yeah, well, guess what? They are desperate. Yeah. And Embarrassing. As for your buy, that ties into my buy. And my buy is uh, Brian Reynolds is an everyday player. Yeah, I mean, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, and I think, well, a lot of those starts would have to come in left. Uh, 
a Polanco. Well, you could put him in right field, but the whole Pittsburgh media would burn. That's going to be my sell. That's going to be my sell. Wait for it. Wait for it all. Please don't get me fired. I'm not going to get you fired. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I like Brian Reynolds. He needs. I like him bouncing around all three outfield positions because I don't know where he's going to be playing in 2020. But he's shown me enough. That so should we be experimenting with Brian Reynolds right now? <laughs> he's. I want him to get some reps in center field. I would like him to get some, You know – Noah says things on this podcast that he gives like a look <laughs> afterwards. It's like, where do you want me to go with this, man? <laughs> uh, but yes, Reynolds, I want him to get some, some starts primarily in left field because in left and right field because I feel like that's where the most playing time is to be had. But, you know, you go easy on Starling for a little bit. I am selling a baseball term. A t- oh, please I- say it. Say it, King. I am selling the term baseball IQ. Oh, never mind. What did you think I was going to say? I hate calling home runs taters. Oh, I like that. I freaking hate it so much. No. That and the don't you know. Both of those got to go. No offense, Greg Brown. I really like Greg (laughs) Brown, but the tater thing, I'm so done with that. Sorry. No, I'm, it's been I'm, a long season. It has been a long... It, it's June. Yeah. Lemon, it's June. <laughs> uh, but I hate that term because I, I'm not going to, you know, insert myself into someone else's uh, Twitter yeah. drama. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of thing, you know, Baseball IQ is brought up referring to Gregory Polanco. And other times you hear it, you hear it about Starling Marte. But you want to talk about the worst baseball play on the field? On a Tuesday, it was Adam Frazier not, A, taking a shot at second base to try to turn two, B, going home, or C, just taking the fielder's choice at second because worst-case scenario would be first and third rather than what ended up happening of second and third. That If you want to point, talk about baseball IQ, that's it. And the, I checked Twitter for mentions of it, and there were a few people who were just basically making the point I am right now, that they're like, oh, no one talks about baseball IQ whenever Frazier screws up. Or I was going to say, um, I mean, I, I do think, I know you don't like the term, but I think the Pirates baseball IQ has been extremely low. I, I would rather say something like poorly coached, poorly executed. No, I mean, I do think there is. There are, there I I do think there is something to the term baseball IQ, or it's just like you, maybe not. It's not like you're dumb, but it's just not being able to react correctly at a consistent basis in in quick situations. That is ba- that's knowing the game of baseball, and there's some players, and it's and it's unfairly at times directed towards. Latin ball players. Yes. But I will say that Marte does show at times, maybe not dumb baseball IQ, but his just heads in the clouds. I think you could agree with that. Yeah, I, I'm not going to pretend play. that Marte every, doesn't make a boneheaded play every Yes, once in a while. and so does Polanco. But yeah. Colin Moran has not shown a good baseball IQ no. numerous times this year. Adam Frazier has had a lot of what the hell are you doing? Mistakes this year. Mitch Keller bunting toward the first baseman when he's moving a runner over to third. Yes. Baseball IQ. I would say, yeah, you could call it poor coaching. I would say that it's, but, you know, yeah. Like, just because you have a bad teacher doesn't mean, like, yeah, the kids are still dumb. Even if it is a bad teacher, the kids are still dumb. Like, me calling a, a, a kid dumb because he has a bad teacher doesn't change the fact that he is dumb. So, yeah. And I guess my other counterpoint is I have never once heard anyone say that, that was a high IQ play. Oh, I have. You have? Yeah. I, I always hear, like, if... That was a smart play? That was I, a- I hear smart play. I never hear high IQ, smart IQ. Ah. Like, I, I, I see, you know, Melky Cabrera's on first base. He gets to third base on a single to center field. It's like, good base running. Good play by Melky. Got himself, I think you know, that's it. That's... That, but, yeah, but, like, it's... I don't know. I get you're coming. You're really talking about the term, but I think we're splitting hairs when you say like that's good base running. That's what a base like baseball IQ literally comes down to three things: like being patient at the plate, knowing how to run the bases, and situational fielding. That's really all it is. That's, that's what it really comes down to. Like it's all situational. Everything you just said yeah. was situational. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't like it. Moving Alex on. just doesn't like Twitter. 
I just don't like Twitter anymore. I'm getting yeah. off of it. Thank God. I'm not. Um, I love it. <laughs> Give me a mud bath, baby. I, I love Twitter, too. It, it, I, I'm it's, so addi- it's a great love-hate relationship. So, I'm so dangerously addicted to Twitter. I... Twitter is great, except for every once in a while you come across something and you like, throw your phone across the room like, I'm done with the internet for the night. Just literally any time politics really comes on my timeline, I'm just like, uh, alright, we're good. And trade, I, I touched on this earlier about Chris Archer's two-seamer. Just in general, I have been, I'm, I'm done hearing about two-seamers. I've, this has come up in organic conversation for me so many times this week. This was the one, usually for buy-sell trade, I'll admit, like, either coming to the, to recording or while we're recording, you say something that, you know, sparks something. It's like, oh, I'll put that on my buy-sell trade. This one was something that I, I wrote down in trading two-seamers days ago. You pulled out a notepad, yeah. Days ago. Like, this was, this was just driving me crazy. I am tired of having to explain that the Pirates, you know, throw so many two-seamers because it was a really good strategy in 2013. <laughs> that, that's literally, because it worked in 2013, it has to work in 2013. I, I, I can't. They have not adjusted. I would love time. to this be a... a pitch that is dead. Ben Clemens at Fangraphs just wrote a, a piece, you know, explaining, trying, asking, like, why it's not going well. It's like, well, because it stays in the swingers swing path longer. And, you know, everyone has this uppercut swing now, and that's why it goes 500 feet. I'm tired of two seamers. I'd be fine with. I would rather lose with four seamers than two seamers at this point. I would love to be a fly on the wall whenever Hurdle and Searage and the staff is gone, and a new staff comes in and they're just like, "We're not doing this two seamer stuff anymore because it doesn't work." And I would just love to see like the facial expressions of the pitchers. They're like, "Yeah, yeah, no kidding." Yeah, like, we, we knew this. We know this. All right. Not a bad buy style trade, Alex. Not bad. Oh, okay. Not All right. So we'll move on now. Sink or float. Uh, I came up with this one. Adam Frazier, an everyday major league player. Sink or float? Sinks. Sinks. He, no. He's a utility yeah. player. He is a utility guy. I don't know why we're trying to force this. We've tried this multiple times now. Um, it, should be, it should be Kevin Newman at second, Cole Tucker at shortstop. Yeah, we're reaching that point in the year. What are you well, playing re- for? Well, what are you playing for right now? We've also you're playing I think, for 2020. Reached the point with Cole Tucker that while well, he's in the minor leagues, may as well keep him down there long enough that he won't be super two. Yeah. Which, golly gee, maybe we could if you all would just come down to PNC Park and you know buy them tickets. It's Faith Night Saturday. Woo! Is it really? <laughs> it is Faith Night. Saturday. I'm, I'm at a wedding Saturday. I won't be there. Oh. I'll be in a church. I think. I don't know where this wedding's at. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just told to go there. I it's two people I've never met. Oh, it's my girlfriend's cousin. I know they have a dog named after Francisco Lindor, so I'm all about that. Same's Frankie. That's cool. So I support their marriage, but I I don't know these people. I know there's four drink options at the open bar, and I plan That's, on that was gonna be my question. Yeah, well, because that I've got, I've got a couple weddings coming up in September. This is my only wedding this summer. Uh, or I might have one more, but it's, like, people, like, in their 40s, so, you know, it's not, like, it's, like, their second marriage, so it's not gonna be, you know, it's not, like, a 20-year-old wedding, which is, which are fun, but. Yeah, I, I'm going, I've got back-to-back weddings in September, back-to-back weekends. I'm groomsman in the one where there's, yeah, where there's no open bar, and then. What? I, I know. (laughs) I don't get it. Is it cash bar? Is there alcohol there? There is going to be alcohol there, that's the plan. If not, I'm gonna like at least bring alcohol for the other groomsmen. Yeah, because what the I, hell do you do? Uh, seriously, what? Uh, oh, okay. I I uh, the other one's gonna be like is in New York, and it's gonna be like apparently a legendary open bar. Okay, so that's, I'm all about that's that. gonna be fun. Uh, that's gonna be yeah. Know, this this wedding because what else are you supposed to do at a wedding if if you're not get like, married? Well. If you're not actively a part of it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pumped about this one just because it's like five minutes from where my mom lives. So yeah. I'm literally just going to have, it's going to be like first grade. My mommy's going to drop me off. <laughs> I'm going to be looking real nice. I'm going to meet up with my girlfriend. We're going to hold hands. Aren't you a handsome and young man? And I'm going to sit there. I'm going to eat the lunch that the school serves me. I'm going to drink all the booze I can. And then my mommy's going to come pick me up. 
And then I'm going to wake up and drive my hungover ass back to Pittsburgh to be at PNC Park at 9 a.m. to hear Clint talk about a loss to the San Diego Padres the following morning. I'm excited. I'm going to have to get here bright and early Sunday just for – I'll bring the coffee. I mean, dude, no, I'm not phased by – you're still young. I still young, Alex. I'm two years younger than you. Yeah, but we've also addressed that I'm like the oldest. Wait, how old are you? I'm 27. I'm okay. also the youngest. Yeah, you're three oldest 27 year old on earth. I've also just started to, cre- you know, creep over that line, where if I do, if I get really drunk the night before, that I wake up hungover the next day. Well, like for years that wasn't a problem. It's now starting to my rear biggest ugly problem. Head. It's like, my, oh, that's the rest of my life. My biggest concern is just the poops the next day. The poops, they will derail me. I've already found my designated pooping spot in PNC Park, if 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 need be. I found it. I'm not telling anyone where it is. <laughs> Uh, it's definitely not these gross ass bathrooms we have up here in the press box. They're the most disgusting bathrooms. Where does bathroom. Noah poop at PNC Park? Hashtag. Did you have that in college? Did you have that? Did you have that like emergency bathroom area on camp- campus? Oh yeah. I had yes. I had two. They were magic. And then I lived in a fraternity house, so uh, we had a girl. We had a ladies' room on the first floor. And it was really never occupied unless, you know, weekends or when we had a party or something. Or if, like, someone's girlfriend needed to use it. But it was just, like, this big bathroom. That was Noah's bathroom for pretty much any time he could use it. Because it, it, it wasn't, like, multiple stalls. So even, like, when we had a party, like, girls would be waiting. And I'd be like, I would not go in there if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how we got there. Yeah, we, we, we derailed there. We did, but we're back up. So... Bottom line, Adam Frazier, not an everyday baseball player. <laughs> yeah. We started with Adam Frazier and landed on drunk poops. All right. Yeah, dude, he's just not. He's just not. I don't know why we're doing this. Someone uh, say that's a metaphor. All right, so how did baseball mess up this week? Uh, the umpires did. Yes, they in, sure did. In the did. San Diego, Colorado series, which was a really fun series, you know, Dude, yeah. 92 runs scored. Yeah, it was crazy. It was peak Colorado, but... Manny Machado and Nolan Arenado both both got rung up on pitches that were either, however you view it, either a strike or a ball. Uh, both of them got in the ump's face. Manny got not only fired, but then suspended. Not fired, ejected. He lost his he job. Lost his job. The Padres need a third baseman. <laughs> Trade him Colin Moran. But, uh, yeah, he got ejected and then he got suspended for a game well Nolan nothing happened to him and you've got the tweet pulled up yeah this is MLB MLB Ump Association which I mean I thought this was a literal joke I thought this was a literal joke um uh, they deleted the tweet so I just have the hashtags but they basically went on this tirade talking about like it's nonsense that Machado was only suspended a game, he threw the bat, uh, he intimidated an umpire, like, protect these umps, he should be suspended a lot more, he made contact with an ump, and they, this is how I know Joe West runs this Twitter account, because there are, like, 30 hashtags, and they tweeted at (laughs) Major League Baseball, the San Diego Padres, (laughs) And Buster only. What a combo. What a combo. I mean, they could have went towards... I mean, Joe West and Buster only, like, had a beer the night night prior to this tweet. And Buster was like, you need to say something. And, and Joe was like, damn it, I'm gonna. And, like, the I'm next day, he's, like, sitting at his desk, kind of like the... Uh, the prison guard, or the main guy who runs a prison in Shawshank, except that, like he opens up the drawer instead of a revolver, it's the tweet. And <laughs> his hand's like shaking, like typing out all the hashtags. Hashtag disappointed. Hashtag lead by example. Hashtag not appreciated. Hashtag violence. Hashtag temper tantrum. Hashtag inaction. Hashtag not tolerated. Hashtag make an example of. Hashtag one game suspension. Hashtag repeat offender. Hashtag nonsense. Hashtag MLB... UA for Umpires Association, at MLB, at Padres, at Buster underscore ESPN for Buster only. What the hell? Apparently, getting into clown college is harder than getting into umpire college. 
I mean, this is ridiculous. Remember whenever the... I'm not even mad about, like, the... Uh, I'm just pissed about this many hashtags. This sucks, man. Get <laughs> As this, a millennial, this, this is infuriating. Like, you, you look like a middle schooler trying to get Instagram followers. Like, what are you doing? I... This is ridiculous. I mean, remember whenever they had all the umpires wear those uh, Ump Lives Matter bracelets? Yeah, that one time. It's like, what? Joe, No, that was Cowboy Joe leading that. It was, it was one time. What a crap show. I mean, good God. I, it's This is ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so we'll wrap it up now. Uh, bold predictions. My last bold prediction came true. I said two home runs before we recorded our next episode. Josh Bell made that happen. Yes, he did. Uh, 20 on the year. What a, what a year by him, man. I, I tweeted this out. I'm going to say it here. He has 20 homers, 25 doubles. 27 doubles, but 25 double plateau. There's no one else in baseball that has 15 homers and 20 doubles. Like, take five away from both. He's he's lapping the field now. All right. So, bold prediction. Uh, what was your bold prediction? It was wrong. I... What was my bold prediction? I need to start writing these down. I'm writing my bold prediction I mean, we literally here. have, like... A, a audio recording of it that you could just listen to before we do you want do to put it in as a soundbite no okay i'm not <laughs> it's 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 12 30 i'm editing this when i get back i still got to go back to kdk i got to go back to the fan and drop off our company vehicle drive back to my apartment which is five minutes from pnc park and then i got to edit all this and go to bed just so i can do a stupid Video for underpaid and overrated tomorrow, but anyway, so I got a lot going on. I'm not adding your stupid bold prediction. Just I'll, tell I'll, me what I'll, yours is this uh, time. My bold prediction is Gregory Polanco hits a 400 foot homer. Stephen Brault gets into the eighth inning. His next start. That is insane. Bold prediction. It's, you know what? You're actually against getting his, against right. his against his favorite team growing up. San Diego Padres. Oh, yeah, he did grow up in San Hometown kid. So there we go. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at River Blast Radio. It's back. Alex is running the Twitter. He's Woo! running it. Uh, be sure to follow us individually as well, at Alex J. Stumpf, um, at Noah underscore Hiles 95. Uh, like, rate, subscribe, share, review. Do all the good things for our podcast. We try to make Please. you happy. We try to make you informed. We try to entertain you and... Take your mind off the fact that the Pirates are in last place. Check out No Negations. Check out Slice on Broadway. And check us out next time. We are out of here, and we sign off, as always, saying, let's go Bucks.